Amen. So today, as you heard, we're going to be talking about uh, God's science in the universe. And uh, the first scripture that I want to bring to your attention is Psalm 19, where it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech night after night. They reveal knowledge, yet they have, yet have no speech. They use no word, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all their words to the ends of the world. I just want to pray as God illuminates our hearts to his word today. Father, I just pray as we start this series of the big questions, Father, I just pray, Lord, the spirit of revelation, Lord, to just reveal truth to us, reveal Jesus to us in a greater way to us. That we'd be encouraged and stirred to seek you more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about God, science, and the universe. And you saw in that scripture how the heavens, the universe, declares the glory of God. That's a strong word. But someone makes a declaration. It's an undeniable statement that you can't deny. And of course, the word science means knowledge. Knowledge of the testable universe that we can test, that we can see with our own eyes, that we can sense. And God made it. And God made it to speak to us about Him. Amen? Yeah. It's not just something that's there for no reason. God made it because it declares His glory. It is so vast, it's bigger than we even imagined. Countless billions, of not just stars, but of galaxies. It is unbelievably big. And it describes and it points us to the majesty of our Creator. And today I'm coming to you not as a scientist, of course, I'm coming to you as a, a lover of science, someone who loves and appreciates science and has really benefited from it. You heard Talita sharing as her experience as a biologist how learning about science and understanding it has actually encouraged her in her faith rather than taking her away from it. And that's been my experience today. I believe for you it's going to be your experience as well. Also within this topic, I want to talk to you about atheism and how we address that. So if you're watching online, you're an atheist, uh, we love you. And uh, this is going to be a great message for you to take away. But like I said, I'm not a scientist, but I'm a lover of science. And for me, it really percolated when I was in my GCSE years going into A-levels, and I was starting to really uh, pursue a career in medicine, that's where I felt that I was gonna be going at that time. I'd just become a Christian as well, at the age of 16, and then ended up uh, taking science A-levels and studying biology and chemistry and even psychology, and then later on I was at philosophy. I was just doing you know, all of these subjects, and I'd just become a Christian, just. So I didn't really know too much at that point, and being forced into those academic environments forced me to really go, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And is there any kind of grounding for it outside of my experience? You know, because experience is one thing, but objective truth is another thing as well. And so for me, I ended up going on a journey and very similar to Talita, she was talking about how she studied things like DNA and uh, the human body and how full of design it is, you know? And for me, my kind of light bulb moment when I was about 17 or 18 was when I was studying DNA. 
and how it really works, and the transcription process of literally unzipping information and machines taking the information and making proteins and all of this. And I remember being in my A-levels and uh, one of my friends, Frankie, was sitting next to me. He's, he's an atheist and he's now a doctor. And I remember just bursting out in the lesson like with joy and laughter. It's kind of weird, right? But I just felt this love and this appreciation for God. Like, you did this. Like, you made this. And, and for me, it was just one of those turning points of, wow, you know, of wonder, the glory of God. And it, it continued for, for this, this love for science continued. I remember going into my theological college, Regent's Theological College, and my dissertation paper, my final paper, which I had the opportunity to spend 12 months doing, I studied on human evolution. Is it compatible with a Christian worldview? And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. But for me, I spent 12 months on that. Praise God, I got a first uh, mark on that. And was just really pleased that I had the opportunity to read so much and learn so much. I thought, you know, when you speak to people who are atheists, they say, okay, well, it doesn't matter about God because we just talk a piece of talking meat anyway, right? Because that's what atheism teaches. There's no design, there's no designer. Whereas we don't believe that. We believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully created. When I moved to Cambridge, um, not to study at Cambridge, I wish I had that, but I was working there. And um, I was bumping into people who were like scientists and physicists on the bus. And even Stephen Hawking was, didn't live that far from me at the time. It was, you know, kind of surreal, really. And um, I remember just being in that environment where I need to keep learning. I need to keep studying. And so to this day, I praise God, I've listened to hundreds of hours of lectures and books and, you know, you name it. Because when you want to preach the gospel, when you want to share Jesus, you need, to ask, you need to answer the questions that people are asking. It's no good coming with no answers and never spending any time thinking about it. You need to spend some time doing it. I think we were talking earlier on about how there are strongholds in the mind that people have. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about how there's strongholds and that by the truth of God's word, by truth itself, we actually tear down those strongholds. We actually tear down things that stop people coming to God. So you think, okay, we're well, talking about science today. That's not really Christian or biblical. Well, let me tell you that we live in a city where 80 to 90 percent of people are, are atheists, right? Remember 2011, Norwich got called the city without faith. Most amount of people are either atheist or non-affiliated or agnostic. So really, it's a stronghold. It is something that is, is stopping people coming to God. And today I want to address it. I want to encourage you as well uh, to not be afraid of the topic when it comes up. To give you some tools, really, to encourage you on those conversations. Come on. I want to give this, read this quote to you from John Lennox, who is a Christian, and he's a uh, physicist and mathematician. And he says this in the last Alpha Course video that we watched. He says there's a widespread, widespread impression in the public that science and God don't mix. And that's curious, because if you think of the rise of science in the 16th and 17th centuries, all its pioneers believed in God. In fact, they were Christian in some sense or other. Galileo, Kepler, Newton, and so on. Kepler famously said that we are thinking God's thoughts after him. So far from the belief in God hindering their science, it was the very motive that drove it, because they believed in a creator, a rational spirit behind the universe. They thought that science was worth doing, and so they did it. And so I'm not remotely embarrassed at saying I'm both a Christian and a scientist, because arguably 
Christianity gave me my subjectness. That's a great quote, right? Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is, is that modern science, as we know, are testing the universe, testing and observing things, comes from a worldview, a Judeo-Christian worldview, that the world isn't, and the universe isn't ran by uh, spirits, you know? If you, if you mess with the, the, the spirits and the water or the mountains, because people believe that, people still believe that. This is our Father's world, amen? This is His creation, and we are safe to go exploring and looking into it. And Newton, of course, was a Christian, and you know, strongly believed that God was the cause of the physical laws. And of course, as he was discovering laws like the law of gravity and so on, he said, "Well, listen, if there's a law, if there are laws, there's a lawgiver, right? It, it just kind of goes." And um, you know, even like I said earlier on, DNA was discovered in Cambridge. The double helix structure, semi-conservative replication that p- half the DNA breaks off, and oh my goodness, and it's so complex. You know, back in Darwin's day, Charles Darwin, they thought the cells were very simple, just a little bit of cytoplasm, you know? and really, the human cell or any cell is more complicated than a spaceship, and it just works unconsciously. It's not like us, you know, me choosing to speak right now. It's not aware of anything. It's just working. And it sorts itself out, gets the right amount of energy, and, you know, just does what it needs to do. And as you discover these things, you're not disproving God at all. You're, you're giving more credence to the idea of design, intelligent design. There's a great book called Darwin's Black Book. Uh, Darwin's Black Box. It talks about... Uh, the nucleus in the cell where all the DNA comes from and uh, my goodness it is a great read but DNA is a language it is a language and um, there's a great uh, biologist called Francis Collins who wrote a a book called The Language of God and when he was leading the Human Genome Project he became a Christian during that time because he was just convinced in Proverbs chapter 25 Verse 2, it said, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Isn't that great? So God, there's all these mysteries in the universe, all these things that he's left for us to go discover. And when we discover them, our reaction is the glory of kings. It's like, wow, really? Discovery, it's a powerful thing. I mentioned at the start, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about atheism and how we respond to that. And there's a great scripture in Romans chapter 1, which talks about how the universe is plain to see to those who, for everyone, that's why it's there. It's plain to show us that God's there. In fact, I'll read it to you. It says in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's the Roman society he's talking about. For what can be made, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Okay. And so for everyone who lives on planet Earth, there's not one person in the whole world who will go to their deathbed and never thought about God. There's no way. Why? Because we're made in the image of God, 
when you go out and you see the stars at night and the wonder of it, you think there's something going on here. And really you're in the minority if you don't. Why is atheism so prominent? Why is it that people don't believe? Maybe is it because they don't want to believe? Maybe it's more a matter of the will. Or maybe it's, it's actually a matter of faith, you know? Just as we have faith, you grow up in a Christian household and you believe in God, other people grow up and they have a faith as well. And really a lot of the time, we don't often challenge our faith or really get to the bottom of why we believe what we believe. And so that's why as, as, as Christians, we don't need to be afraid of it. You know, today I'm not talking, you know, deep science. I'm just talking the philosophy of science that, listen, if, if, if I was to have an atheist here and, and said to them, you know, if Christianity were true, would you believe it, right? And some might say yes, but some might say no. And why? It's because you don't, you don't always want to. It's, it's hard. I mean, for me, when I was an atheist, when I was 15 years old, I didn't really like the idea of a creator God telling me what to do, right? Because I just want to be my own God. I want to do my own thing. And so, you know, it makes me think of, of quotes from people like Stephen Hawking when he says, I don't want to muddy the waters of exploration with supernatural intervention. What he means by that is that I'd rather just take God out from the start and then just explore what's there. But really, he's going from a faith point of view it's a faith point of view that in the end, science will prove there is no God. And science will eventually prove and, and kind of show us everything. That is a faith statement. That is a worldview statement. Just as we believe God created the world, they too have a worldview. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the difference of worldview. And it's interesting that in the 20th century, I mentioned Stephen Hawking, the 20th century had a massive shift in understanding the universe, understanding uh, how it all works, really. Now, of course, we're still getting to the bottom of it. But a lot changed in the 20th century, particularly the idea of what the universe is. And for a long time, there was a strong consensus that the universe, matter, time, it always been there, okay? But now the evidence suggests that it actually had a beginning. All matter, had a beginning, had a starting point, and before that, it wasn't there at all. Wow. Of course, theories like the Big Bang theory come from that, the theory of relativity, all based on this idea that the universe wasn't always there, and then it came into being and expanded. And that challenged a big scientific consensus that no matter, space, has always been there. Does this make sense to you? It, it, what, now they're saying it wasn't. And the reason why it wasn't so well received back in kind of 1910, Edward Hubble discovering it and, and you know, kind of putting evidence for it, was that it sounded too much like creation. It sounded too much like the Bible. And so I was like, no, 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 this can't be right. And over time, even, I think it was last month, some different scientists were actually observing something called black matter in the universe, dark matter. And they said, it's all in the wrong place. So actually, maybe these theories are wrong, that we had things like theory of relativity, which I don't fully understand, but I kind of have a general gist. And so think about this. Someone who, your scientific friend, okay, your atheist friend, they're coming to you and saying, 
these things prove that God isn't real. Because now we know how the universe came into being. We don't need your God anymore. Are they right? It's a hard question because sometimes we get in that environment where we don't really know what to say. However, think about this. Time, space, and matter, we believe, wasn't there one minute and then it was. The Bible says that God spoke and he created. He didn't create from something, he created from nothing. And then it came into being. And, and you know, think about Genesis 1.1. What does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now what's in that statement? Time, space, matter, even energy, creating, yeah? But what did this, what's the bit that people want to leave out? God. Now think about this. If the universe came into existence and wasn't there, then it suddenly was there. How does that just happen? It can't. Back in kind of ancient kind of Christian um, defense of the existence of God, someone called Aquinas talked about how God is the unmoved mover, who is the uncaused cause. If you think about a set, a set of dominoes, if you stack them up in a line, they don't just fall. Someone has to push them, okay? Now maybe you found, with science, maybe it's found the next domino, okay? And it's found the next domino, it's found the next domino, right? But ultimately it has to get to a point where something uncaused moved. Does that make sense? Now that thing that created the universe had to not be the universe itself. Some of you are like, Sam, I need a coffee. This is like what deep. Just bear with me. Time, space, and matter didn't have, it had a beginning, okay? So that, the thing that started the universe had to not be time, space, or matter. What is God? Spirit. John 4, God is spirit. Right? God is timeless, spaceless, immaterial. He's the uncaused cause. What does God say of himself in the Bible? I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now what comes before A in the alphabet? Nothing. What comes after Z in the alphabet? Nothing. He is. He's the I am. He's the uncaused. People are like, how did God get there? Well, he just is. Right? It's hard to understand, but at the same time, you're saying that the universe had a beginning, it came from nothing. Even people like Richard Dawkins have struggled with this. I remember someone putting him on the spot and saying, so you're saying everything came from nothing, and that this small, dense kind of particle, some of you have got the, the uh, Big Bang Theory achievement on your head right now, you know what I'm saying? At the start, you know, a hot, dense state exploded, right? And uh, someone smiled, yeah. Who's got Big Bang Theory going on my head right now? You know what I'm talking about. Now think about it, it needed a beginning. And, and the Bible says, God created the heavens and the earth. So the Bible got it right. The Bible got it right. So you see, science doesn't prove what it's written, but scientists are the ones who make the claims. And they can't even get their own theories right most of the time. Then they reach over to our camp and say, well, this disproves your God. It's like, hang on, what? You're not even sure about your own theories. So you haven't proven or disproven anything about my God, by the way. And really, the burden of proof isn't on us. It's on them, because the universe is so full of design. Well, who's the burden of proof on? It's not on 
us to try and prove our God's real. It's on them to prove that he's not, and you ne they never will. And the more and more they go along, they realise how much design, how much complexity there is. There's no way, and really it's blind faith to believe there isn't a God. Even down to things like evolution. Um, the word evolution simply means change over time. Of course we know that um, some species can change over time, even right now. Um, the Indian strain of the COVID-19 uh, virus is a change. But you know what it still is? It's still a virus. And it's never, you've never been observed, never observed something changing from kinds. So people say, well, uh, by the way, there's, there's two types of evolution that they talk about. There's microevolution, like small changes, and then there's macroevolution, where it changes to something else. So that, an example of that would be like apes, the people. Okay, that's, that's kind of macroevolution. But the Bible says that you know, God created animals you know, and people to reproduce after their own kind. And so people, you know, a lot of people I know, you know, my, my dissertation was about evolution, and there's a lot of people who strongly believe God created through evolution. I don't want to close the door on that fully, and I certainly don't want to close the door on people saying, well, we know that everything came from evolution, therefore there's no God. I don't want to close, you know, I, I want to close the door on that for sure, but the theory of evolution has massive problems. Massive problems. Some of them I've talked about today. Especially the idea of species changing from one kind to another. And some of the biggest blows of the theory of evolution come from something called the Cambrian Explosion. And what this is in the fossil record, they say 3.5 million years ago, that suddenly just life appears in one layer. And, um, you know, all kind of crustaceans that just came into being. And uh, I remember an interview with uh, Richard Dawkins, a famous atheist, and he was being asked about this Cambrian explosion of life. And even he kind of gets to the point where he goes, well, maybe aliens seeded life on Earth. Well, you know one says maybe it was aliens. You know you've lost it at that point. You just don't. But that's what he says, and the reason why he has to say that, because he's basically been forced to say, it is so light, unlikely, so impossible, that life created itself Right, one cell made itself, okay, and had everything it needed to then replicate again and again and again, right, because that's what their theory is. Um, that someone like maybe aliens came and seeded, seeded life that could evolve over time, okay. But then the question, he's only pushed the question back one step further well, where do those complex aliens or spaceships come from? You see? So it doesn't solve anything. Um, if you listen to Richard Dawkins now, he's talking a lot about aliens seeding life because I think he's realizing that just. Uh, the kind of theories of evolution have, have, got, have really, they're not right. Um, I mentioned that a lot of people believe that God created through evolution. That's called theistic evolution. Um, and I think I'm open to it, I'm open to it to an extent, but it's problematic. It's problematic in theological sense as well, like for example, in, in Christ, all live in Adam, all die, you know. I got that the wrong way around. Okay. And, and even Jesus seems to talk about Adam as a real human being. So from a kind of theological Christian point of view, it's problematic. But also it's problematic in terms of evidence, because even the things you've been taught in schools about there being intermediate species, they've never really found much evidence for them. In fact, a lot of them have turned out to be hoaxes. 
And even when you go to museums, there's, there's like an ape man, you know, like looking at you with like wide eyes and all of these kind of things. And these are just kind of, there are a lot of people's imagination of what they think. And even when they told you, we found a whole skeleton of the missing link, or they haven't. They really haven't. Carbon dating, the dating of the Earth, is not is also problematic. It doesn't always get it right, and, and that's well documented as well. So you can see, nothing's been proven or disproven with that. I don't believe God created through evolution. I don't know what people do. I think it's important to not close the door in it and kind of box yourself in. Because if you think about Galileo, Galileo said that the world is round, and it was the Pope that persecuted him. He said, no, the world's flat. Right? And actually, you know, that was a Christian voice persecuting the voice of science. And who was right? Well, Galileo was right. And so the Pope's interpretation of certain scriptures and Psalms and so on were just, it was a wrong interpretation of. Um, however, I think with evolution, it's not quite the same with evolution because it has big theological implications as well of the view of humanity and all those things. And the Bible gets it right about the earth being round as well. In fact, Job chapter 26 talks about how God stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth upon nothing. A different translation says, he makes the earth a sphere and hangs it upon nothing. Isn't that amazing? And of course, that's exactly right. Some of you flat earthers are like, no, no, no. No one's a flat earther here, I'm sure. He makes the earth a sphere and hangs it on nothing. And so, I think the last thing I'm going to say is this, is that materialism, the view that there's nothing beyond the spirit, beyond the physical world, okay, that there's no spiritual world, there's no kind of supernatural uh, activity going on, like God, for example, is problematic. And of course, think about communism in the 20th century. Communism, through the wars and the conflicts, killed 100 million people. I'm not saying every atheist is a murderer. I'm not saying that by any means. However, the ideology, the worldview, was powered from a sense that there is no God. We're in. We've got to make it for ourselves. There's no ultimate accountability to uh, a creator, and that opened the door for many things, many many evil atrocities, and it's fueled by an ideology that says God isn't real. In fact, even abortion, I'm sorry to bring it up, but if you don't see that baby as someone made in the image of God, is actually more like a tumour in the body, that's a problem. And I know some of you today, that's a scar and that's something you've walked through and it's not condemning anyone. I'm just saying that when you have a worldview that says that there's no God, there's no accountability to God, and you base it on the idea that science is, is the thing that says that, boy are you wrong. Boy are you wrong. I want to really encourage you that God is your creator. If you're watching today, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He who holds the stars in his hand, he holds you, he holds you, he knows you. He made you, you are not an accident like you were told to believe. You are here because God wanted you to be alive for such a time as this. The purpose is that he had for you. And as you study his creation, his world, 
you're going to find out more about him. But it's not just the one book, the book of nature, that you need to study. You need to study the full revelation. It gives you the big picture and tells you everything that's going on. And the last thing I'll say is this. The creator of the universe stepped down from glory to where you're sitting. The creator of this vast, vast universe. He made himself known through the person of Jesus Christ and humbled himself even to death on the cross. But God exalted him and now we see it at the right hand. It's interceding for you. And if you call on his name, say, Jesus, I want to call on your name. Or even if you're not fully there yet, if you're watching online, you're not fully there yet, you believe in Jesus. I still encourage you to call on his name, start to pray, and start to ask him who he is. Let's all just pray right now and just ask God to just, in all of our conversations, to equip us for the conversations that we're going to have with people. That people are going to know that there's a God, there's a creator. Thank you, but we're not without excuse. We're not without a witness. We've been shown the truth through your created world. So Lord, help us, equip us. I pray you give us confidence and boldness as we speak to our friends and neighbours who don't know you, Lord, and say that science is disproving you. <laughs> Lord, we love them and we want them to know the truth. Help them, help us, Lord. Well, thanks for being with us uh, today. Uh, stick around for a few more moments if you want to ask a prayer or just a chat. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm just to say, I'm actually not going to be here next week. I'm actually booking up one week off next week. And so uh, Carol's going to be hosting next week. And uh, we'll also have a great speaker with us uh, next week as well. So it's going to be a wonderful Sunday. And uh, I'll see you on the following week. Just a quick reminder that on the following Sunday, I know I didn't show this earlier, on the 20th, uh, we're going to be having a uh, kind of social time here rather than a full service. So I will see you back uh, on the 20th of June for that day. All right? God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.